0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
1: Good morning, everybody, and welcome on in. It's Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Toe when you with you next hour, we'll dive all over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. Put a little bare knuckle on it for, for some spice as we'll have BKFC president David Feldman he's going to join the program. You got knucklemania coming up on February 5th. Paige Van Zandt is making her much anticipated debut. Um, and it's interesting with Paige is I you, you know this is one of those things I don't really know what to expect from this fight. I've seen you know Paige Van Zandt fight plenty of UFC fights before. Um, you know I know we've seen her lose a lot of fights on the, on the back end of that career. And she's supremely famous. She is tough as hell. I mean, you've seen her uh, go through some really bad injuries and get through some fights, um, but is not somebody who's exactly known for her hands and anything. You know, some of the most dangerous stuff she's thrown has been with her kicks and things like that before. Uh, but she has been in there with the best of the best with that, with that division, Rose, Nama, Yunus, Amanda, Hebas. you know, just, she's been in there with some really, really tough competition. Um, and this is going to be an interesting one. I saw the fight. I was actually there in Miami uh, for the last car that was down here. Uh, I was there for the, the call out. Britton Hart taking on Paige, uh, where she won her fight and then called out Paige Van Zandt, who was on commentary at the time. Uh, Paige and her husband were sitting like four feet in front of me the entire night. Then she got on the headsets. Very WWE-ish. But I think it's going to make for some uh, good B-roll in the, the lead up to this fight for the promotion. So... We'll talk to David about that and also some of the other guys that are on the the local scene here um, and when they will be returning to South Florida. So we'll see what uh, what, what David has to say about all that type of stuff. Uh, a lot of stuff to get into as far as the UFC is concerned. I do want to get into a little UFC 258 as we are closing in on Kamaru Usman versus Gilbert Burns. We have a quick turnaround from pay-per-views, which is pretty cool to start off the year because we got a, a little bit of a break and now you get these guys and I think it's a fun fight. I think him versus Gilbert Burns is a really fun matchup. So, We'll get into a little bit of that as well. But honestly, as much as it uh, may pain some of you to to realize, the big combat sporting news of the week was the fact that Jake Paul announced his fight against Ben Askren. He is fighting a legitimate fighter in Ben Askren, a guy who up until his UFC tenure was undefeated, beat Robbie Lawler on some kind of Fugazi... Uh, means with uh with Herb Dean calling a uh a, an he finished that fight where he called Robbie Lawler out of it and clearly was not uh then of course suffered the fastest knockout in UFC history and then fought Damian Maya in a fight I think we'd all like to forget but Ben Askren uh retired got some hip surgery he showed the scar on Helwani show this week it looked really really nasty but he's working his way back and he's gonna be fighting Jake Paul in a boxing match coming up in April um so jake paul goes into the uh into the uh the the next step of his fighting career where he's gone from fighting another youtuber i was at that fight that was in miami last super bowl weekend, nearly a year ago uh the nate robinson fight which everybody saw him flatline the former slam dunk champion and now he's fighting a, a ufc guy who you know probably has you know some of the worst hands in ufc history uh but is a former UFC, uh, is a former undefeated mixed martial artist, a former world champion and other promotions. And, you know, is, is in this situation where, you know, a lot of people pay attention to Ben Askren. He's got a great uh, way on interviews. You know, he's he's a fun guy to talk to in the sport. Um, is, a, is a good bleep talker as well. So I think this fight's going to be a lot of fun in the lead up to it. I think it's going to have, Uh, A lot of, you know, great promotion. I will say he's probably the one guy, if I was going to take in a boxing match, I would think, yeah. You know, any other mixed martial artist, you're feeling pretty good about them taking on Jake Paul. I don't care what he says about, you know, they all look the different. they, They all look predictable and all that type of stuff. He doesn't know what he's talking about when it comes to that type of stuff. But Ben Askren is not a guy who has made his living with his hands as far as throwing them. You know, he's made a living with his hands of grabbing his opponent, putting him to the ground, and then either trying to find a way to submit him, just dominate on top or anything like that. But now he's got to spend eight rounds on his feet. And the thing that's interesting about it is the fact that he thinks it's going to go better for him as the fight goes on, that he's going to just basically wear on the kid. Uh, which is an interesting strategy. I mean, like, look, Jake Paul is not a guy who's been in a long war yet. So, um, but it is funny. Like you're, you're looking at this from the standpoint of, Hey, I'm going to, the kid's got no shot against me, but I kind of think that's because I'm just going to wear him out. Um, you know, think of that what you will. That's kind of the Floyd Mayweather strategy when it came to fighting Conor McGregor, where you kind of carried him until you knew he was going to be gassed out. and Then you beat the Holy hell out of him. Maybe that is what happens with Ben. I don't imma- I, I don't imagine uh, Jake Jake Paul's been in anything that has uh been in the realm of a a Ben Askren training camp or trained for fights of the high quality opponents that he's gone after. Um, but he can't take him down in this fight. He can't. He uh he has to stand with him on the feet for the entire time, and that's not his bag, man. So, you know, I don't rule actually Ben out. Like, I think I would hope that Ben Askren. Just being in the gym, being against quality guys, having those boxing days where he is smart. I would hope that he's gonna good put a fight, put a good fight up against Jake Paul. But I do know that Jake Paul's training with some legit dudes down here. Like I know that. And I'm not even talking about the the stuff with uh, with Ore Masvidal. I'm talking about you know I know that he's fighting with some some really tough fighters. Uh, there's a really tough fight scene down here in Miami. Um, you know, he's training at a nice facility, a nice gym. And I think that he's going to get ready in the rightest way possible. And he is still learning. Like he's picking up a bunch of stuff. I do think that it'd be tough to imagine Ben Askren is going to crank up the intensity. You know, he's coming off of hip surgery. He's going to crank up to the intensity like he's going after a, a UFC opponent. Cause I don't, you know, he's been pretty clear. He doesn't seem to respect Jake Paul's skills. Um, I think at the end of the day, I'll probably am going to pick Ben Askren to win. Because I still do have a hard time imagining that a guy who has been a professional fighter for his uh, for the better part of you know what are we talking fifteen years is going to walk into it somebody who's been doing it for a year and he can't figure out a way to outcompete him. Uh, but if you told me like, do I think that Jake Paul is going to run into something and, and he's going to get the snot knocked out of him? No, I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's a pretty safe fight. From that regard with uh with Jake Paul. And I almost think, too, if he loses that way, you know, losing a like a Ben Askren type boxing match where he's trying to neutralize him, take him down. Um, I almost don't even think that's gonna damage the Jake Paul brand, if you will, so much. And you know, I, I think it's gonna take somebody to really just knock his block off for him to do that. Also in the Paul brother uh, world, we also learned that uh, Floyd Mayweather versus Logan Paul has been postponed. That was supposed to be in just a few weeks, and that's not happening. Um, They put out kind of a weird statement that it had to do with COVID. I don't know if that means Floyd got COVID. Um, There were some rumors out there that the fight wasn't selling that well. I find that hard to believe just because of the freak show element with Logan Paul having the following that he has. And with obviously Floyd having the following that he has that it wouldn't do decent numbers. Like it's not going to do over a million buys. I would find that pretty shocking. Um, but maybe that is the case. You know, maybe people aren't into the idea that Floyd is going to beat the holy hell out of this YouTuber. Who's not a fighter. Um, And, you know, hasn't even really had the highlight that his brother has, you know, like that's the other thing is even his brother talks about what a fighter he is. So we'll see. I mean, the only guy I've ever heard vouch for Logan Paul's fighting has been Shannon the cannon Briggs, who was his trainer for a little bit. Um, and I'm not, you know, trying to take a dump on Logan Paul here. It's just, maybe that's the case. If there are problems selling the fight that that's what it is. So, other news this week: uh, One championship announced this week that they are going to have Demetrius Johnson, and Eddie Alvarez. They are going to uh, compete in April. They both missed all of 2020 uh, because of COVID, so we will see Mighty Mouse Johnson, the best flyweight on the planet. I will say it would be interesting though if we have this uh, revolutionized flyweight division. Uh, you know, a Mighty Mouse is able to come back and and do something else in the UFC. It's cool that he's got this all thing going on with with one and that they're respected, but. You know, if there is this resurgence of the flyweight division, Davidson Figueroa is able to uh, really bring the fans' interest into it. How they could not be in a spot where they'd want to bring Mighty Mouse back to do something with him uh, is beyond me. Because, you know, there's all this talk of uh, of goat talk with bringing back Habib to fight uh, Connor and all that type of stuff and get him reshaken. But this is a guy who tore through that division twice over um lost by the slimmest of margins his belt and is now off in just some other promotion and it's just weird to me like you know I do think that I know that they've been trying forever and ever and ever to get him to glom on as a star but maybe you know I do think there's there's value in having a guy who's that good just be in your promotion and you know, it's just help and compete. And I, and you know, look, the flyweight division looked out for that Brandon Moreno versus figure fight was awesome. It was a great matchup. It was a fun way to end the year, but it just feels incomplete because you know that that guy is the best at that weight class and he's not over here. You know, it's not like the other guys where it's like, ah, Chandler's been in Bellator forever. He's coming on over here. No, no, no. We all know that that mighty mouse is the man and that, he has always been the man at 125, and you just love to see it back again. Even if it comes down to with Henry Sudo, if he's ever to come back, for those guys to do a trilogy fight or something like that. Uh Eddie Alvarez. Eddie Alvarez is another story. Like, I think Eddie Alvarez is probably prime for uh one championship, and that's probably a good place for him to be with uh with you know the name value, all that he's done. Um but with Demetrius, it just still feels like a guy. Like we 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 still could have another chapter. To everything that goes on there. So we'll see what ends up uh what ends up happening with uh with that regard. Another thing that was uh shaking up this week is Cyril Gain versus uh Jarzino Rosenstrike. That is now going to uh is now going to headline February twenty-seventh as Dominic Reyes versus Here Poyaka was uh supposed to be that night, but it fell out. So now you have the new headliner with Jarzinho and Cyril Gain as the headliner for that event. Um That's a fun fight. Cyril's been on a a nice little tear to start off his UFC career, and Strike his only loss is that crazy knockout loss to Francis Ngannou. He came back and beat Junior Dos Santos. He's still a scary individual, man. I still think Jarzinho is still able to make some noise in this heavyweight division. I really, really do. Um, Francis just looks like he's on another level as far as tearing through people. Maybe he's not that guy after he fights Stipe Miocic, which is coming up... uh, Later on this year, um, but I still think that Jardino is dangerous, and I still think that he can really, really hurt some individuals. And I know that you know you may look at it and say, "Well, Junior Santos, where he's at in his career?" No, no, no. Come on, bro. This is a this is a dangerous guy by no means. One in the second round, um, and came back in that fight really too. The other thing with uh, with that this is his Overeem fight. You know, he was losing a lot of that fight. Overeem was trying to be really technical. But he just got one bomb on him. He's that kind of dangerous. And I do think that there's a chance that if he were to fight Francis and if he's able to keep him off him for just a second, I still think there's just as good a chance that, you know, Jarzino could hit him with something that really bothers him or hit him with a couple shots that really bother him. I still think there's a lot of growth that can happen with Jarzino Rosenstrike. I'm a big fan of the guy. Um big fan of him. I like the I like the the guys from Sudan oh, man. Him, my guy Tyrone Spong, all those guys. They're they're dangerous, dangerous fighters. I know he trains with a bunch of Great guys down here, and I still think there's a lot of that growth that can happen for Strike. So, be on the lookout for that matchup in the uh, in the in the coming weeks. We still got to get to Caleb Plant versus Caleb Truax from last night. Plus, we got to get into a little bit of UFC 258, Kamara Usman versus Gilbert Burns. That's coming up in a couple weeks. So, I want to land some thoughts on that as well. We'll be back with more after this. Welcome back to Fighters Fury, everybody. Tobin here with you. Uh, We are going to get to our interview in just a bit with David Feldman, president of BKFC. He'll give us the rundown of what's coming up on February 5th. Coming up, Knuckle Mania, Paige Van Zandt, Britton Hart. They are going to be squaring off in Paige Van Zandt's bare knuckle debut. So we'll get to that in just a bit. But also coming up in just a couple of weeks, I wanted to get into a little bit of UFC 258. You have Kamaru Usman taking on Gilbert Burns for the welterweight championship of the world. Uh, If you guys remember, this fight was supposed to take place back on in July. It was in July and Gilbert ended up getting COVID at uh, about a week before this fight. It got canceled and Jorge Masvidal ended up stepping in. Kamaru Usman ended up winning that fight. And it was a good win for Kamara as far as, you know, he was able to basically take out, um, any offense from, from Jorge who he definitely gassed out. And it's possible that, uh, it's possible that, you know, we'll get that fight again down the line, I think, because, you know, he, he, it it was definitely a, a landslide decision in that, um, you know, he could troll most of the fight in the clinch. He won me a unanimous decision. But I do think that, you know, you, you still have the opportunity. If, if Masvidal gets a win, and I do think it should be a win probably over somebody like Colby Covington, Um, he gets a win there. And I think he's right back in the title picture because he did. You know, that was look, I, I really think that fight was supposed to be Jorge's to begin with. And the way it kind of went is it went, it was Jorge's fight. He ended up negotiating, uh, he priced himself out and some people look at that as as ducking i don't i think that proof positive in what that fight was 1.3 million buys which is bigger than any non mcgregor fight in a long time um that he deserved that kind of paper for that fight so he uh he gets the he gets the loss to kamaru usman but i don't i i don't think that it really knocks him out of title contention um you know look he there was like 3 seconds of real striking in there and and George got a couple strikes on to him, and then Kamal did the smart thing. He pressed him up against the cage, and that was all she wrote. Uh, it's going to be incumbent upon uh, Jorge the next time that they fight to to really you know bring the thunder and and to really uh, try and push that pace to avoid Kamal keeping up. But that's not you know that's easier said than done. Kamal is a strong dude, man. He is a strong dude. He's a good champion. I think this is an actually interesting fight for him from this regard with with uh, him taking on Gilbert Burns. Um, first of all, you're fighting somebody who knows you better than anybody. You know, this guy these guys have been training partners for a long, long time. Uh down at Hard Knocks 365. Kamala's left. He's gone to Denver. He's training somewhere else for this one. You knew that was probably gonna happen. And and Gilbert has moved on. I guess he's at Sanford, like I said, that whole hoofed contingent moves uh moves around South Florida. They're like South Florida nomads, but um now they're at that, you know, beautiful place in uh, Deerfield Beach now, and I like Gilbert Burns a lot, man. Gilbert really stormed on, um, and and because he had such a great you know last year with his wins over Damien Maya, and you know got that one over Tyrone Woodley, really beat the holy hell out of him. Um, he was on the second leg of of Kamar- of Tyrone Woodley gets you know kind of swept out of uh, out of contention by Kamara losing the belt, losing to Gilbert, and then losing to Colby, um, but Gilbert. Listen, Gilbert's well-rounded man. I mean, he's he's dangerous with the jiu-jitsu. Obviously, has an advantage there. The wrestling, the ground game—you think is going to go Kamaro's way? But these guys know each other so well. He does have some devastating striking. uh He does—he is able to land some really powerful shots on guys and can and, and can uncork one on you. So I think this is a tough fight for Kamaro, and I do think that. Um, that Gilbert's probably got a little bit more in the toolbox because you know when you're taking on a guy like Jorge Masvidal, that's probably going to be um, a straight up stand up fight. He's not going to try and wrestle you. We know George isn't going to try and pull a submission out of his out of his. You know what? That's not really his bag. Um, and then as far as the you know the fight before that, Kamara took on Colby. That was basically a straight up striking fight. I think this fight could actually be a lot like that, where um, you know this this could be a fight where it is on the feet because Kamal may not want to be in dangerous positions on top of uh, of Gilbert Burns because he doesn't want to stick his neck out there or stick a leg out there or stick an arm in a, in a weird spot where it might be able to uh, be in a position for Gilbert to uncork something on him that that leads him tapping out and losing the belt. So if this is a fight that is going to be on the feet. You know, it could end up being a really, really good fight. I mean, it may not be like the most uh, technically fought fight in the world, but these guys, because they're they know of the danger that lurks of being on one another's back against each other. Um, especially, you know, if, if even if Gilbert's on his back, you know that he could probably grab something, but a Camaro, you know, you don't want to have Camaro Usman on top of you either. So, it's it's a really really intriguing bout, and I do think that for Kamaru, it's really a legacy fight, man. You know, a lot of this talk has been uh, over on the lightweight division and and how dominant that division is and how good that division is. But if you think about it, you know, you look at this welterweight top six right now of Kamaru Usman, Colby Covington, Gilbert Burns, Leon Edwards, Jorge Masvidal, Stephen Thompson, Michael Chiesa, uh, after after his win. Um, Neil Magny still in the top 10. Vicente Luque, badass. Jeff Neal, badass. You still have Tyron Willie and Damian Maya there, the two old heads who were at the top of the division for a long time. Bilal Muhammad, uh, hamzat Shemaev is coming along as well. So there's a lot of talent in this welterweight division. I would actually argue, probably from top to bottom, it may have passed uh, lightweight in terms of just top, you know, m- maybe the top of the top of the lightweight division is still the creme de la creme. Um, uh, but welterweight's right there. And I think that you look at Camaro and he's got wins over one, three, four, seven, uh, you know, and Tyron Woodley who who was, uh, you know, he, he's, he's cleaned this thing out. Um, and so you're really looking at it and you're saying, all right, well, maybe Hamzat comes on and he gets his win over Leon Edwards. He's able to do it. And the Leon thing, you know, I, you know, they fought like way back in the day. So Leon's a much better fighter. And, you know, we've just seen with uh, Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor, you know, maybe he's able to make it up and make the difference. I still think there's a, obviously a huge storyline fight. If Leon and George were to fight, if that were to happen, but they really seem keen on doing this, uh, Leon Edwards versus Hamza Chimaev fight. But if, if Camaro gets this win over Gilbert, um, I do think that you really have to chalk this up to just one of the great, first of all, one of the great careers. I know, uh, a lot of people like to dump on him because they don't think he's the most exciting fighter in the world, but he's had, he has had exciting performances. He really has, uh, you know, he, his win over Tyron Willie, when Tyron was still on top, uh, you know, you don't see champions dethroned like that. His win over Kamaru Usman, I mean, that was a, an insanely fun fight, yeah, the Masvidal one probably was lacking a little bit and not exactly, uh, not exactly one we'll probably remember for a long time. And it wasn't the most exciting. But you know, you take a fight on a week's notice, and you probably aren't going to go stand and bang. Why would you do that? Um, his fight over Hafiel de former champion, Rafael coming up into welterweight, hugely great in preference of performance. Damian Maya, another win that he had. Um, really, that, that was a big turning point of his career because off the Emil Meek fight, remember he had the, the little mini beef with Dana White. Everybody was talking about how, Don, you know, how Dominic Kamara was and you know the Emil Meek fight wasn't that great. And he said something like, oh, that was only my 30% and Dana White like ripped him for it. So for him, I, I think that if he gets this win, you're talking about basically cleaning out the division in a reign that's only been four fights, which is pretty nuts. And it is a little bit, habib-esque you know habib is one of these guys where you know he kind of got to the top was undefeated um never really got to see the tony fight which sucks but you know has beaten the likes of dustin has beaten the likes of ally quinto which was a a short notice fight um he's beaten connor and so you know habib has been one of those guys where yeah you knew that he's dominant and and uh, beating Justin Gaethje as well—that one—that uh, one escaped my mind. But the one thing I'll say about Habib that's that was very noticeable as the rain went on, because you could look at the way that Nurmagomedov won the belt and probably be like, "Yeah, you know, won the vacant title over Ali Quinta, big whoop." Uh, the Connor fight, obviously, very impressive. He beat the holy hell out of Connor, beat him at every facet of the game. You want to say he's rusty? Okay, beating Dustin Poirier. That's arguably the best lightweight on the planet. He diced through him, basically had to survive one guillotine. Uh, Justin Gaethje, who dominated the man that everybody thought that was the answer to beating you, and you beat him worse than basically anybody you've beaten in your UFC career. So I do think that it would be incumbent upon Camaro to have a moment like that against Gilbert, where it's just like a, a real stamp of I'm the champion, and not only the champion nobody can come and touch me. Make sure that you show that your levels above everybody because I think that he's shown that he is better than everybody but can he go and have that stamp fight that shows you this is a guy who knew everything about me, knew everything in my arsenal and I, and he still wasn't able to touch me. I think he's going to be able to do that. I think he is going to get the win over Gilbert here. Um I think Gilbert's a really really good fighter. I think that he has had a nice little rise here. I would have liked Gilbert more if this was almost on the run that he was on. It. This fight took place last July. i give Gilbert more give Gilbert more of a chance. But the fact that Kamara's had that chance to be away from the camp a little bit now, there isn't that weirdness, that awkwardness. He's kind of gotten a chance to break away, probably gotten a chance to get healthier. Um I think that that puts him in a much better position going into this fight than did uh, if this fight would have happened last summer. If it would have happened last summer, I would have been like, all right, you, you kind of ride the Gilbert train a little bit here, but I do think that that break probably did better for Kamaru than it could for a lot of champions, um, especially... And I just mean specifically with this opponent. I mean, I know that he still took the fight against George and uh, and won, and then we'll see what happens. You know, I do think that they're... You know, if Kamaru gets the win, I still think that you have... You know, Leon Edwards will get a chance to rematch him. You'll still get a chance probably with George to rematch him. He doesn't have a lot of new blood that he's going to have that can prove a whole hell of a lot outside of if Hamza Chemaev beats Leon Edwards does he jump right up to a title shot. I mean, he's beaten number three. That would seem pretty crazy to me. I would still I would still favor the winner of like Masvidal and Covington to get their rematch. But yeah, if Kamaru gets this win over Gilbert, he's probably facing a rematch the next time that he goes out there. And then maybe he's taking on Shemayev and maybe that's a bigger fight now because he's still choking everybody out and he's a big star and whatnot. But um I'm sure not exactly what he probably envisioned when it came to all that type of stuff of, of uh you know what the big fights are out there. But you know, he's he's been a beast. He really, really has. We'll take a quick break, we'll talk a little bare knuckle fighting. The president of BKFC, David Feldman, he's gonna join us next. All right, welcome back, everybody. Going to uh, get to David Feldman, uh, BKFC president here in just a bit. I want to give you some thoughts last night on the boxing match um, from Caleb Plant, Caleb Truax, the Fox card. Um, Caleb Plant ended up getting himself a decision. He won 120-108 on a pair of the, uh, on the uh, scorecards across. So no real... Uh, No real surprise there, I guess, with Caleb Plant getting the win. He ends up keeping his IBF super middleweight championship. And it was uh, he did hurt his hand, he said, afterwards in the fight. So I don't know if that kept him from maybe pressing the action a little bit. Um, Not like, you know, Trex wasn't a, a great dance partner in that. Like, I don't think he was really coming. And you could see that Caleb seemed like he was really trying to set him up with something big, a big counter shot never really uh presented itself so i mean the punch numbers in this fight were <laughs> like astronomically you know it was an astronomical blowout for caleb plant over caleb tricks not a, a huge surprise um you know truex got this shot back so it's good for him guy's a great story really good I got a chance to talk to him this week so a good dude to speak with too um you know, but Caleb Plant's talented, man. He's talented. I've, I've, you know, gotten to see him live before I was in Vegas for his uh, win over Mike Lee, which I was thrilled with because Mike Lee's from Notre Dame. So I uh, I had some some team petty in that. But, you know, Caleb Plant is uh, is, is hitting that prime area where he's 28 years old and, you know, easily took out the former champion, 37 years old. Um you know, I, and so you hope that he gets into the mix here of what's going to be the super middleweight championship, a lot of, lot of Canelo talk. Uh, but Canelo's already got his next two fights that are set up, so I don't I don't I don't know uh what is uh what, you know, uh Canelo's got his next couple fights, so I don't know where he goes from here as uh, as far as what his uh his next opponent will be and where he'll go. Um because there was a lot of Canelo talk as far as Caleb. Caleb was one of the guys. It seemed like maybe he was going to squeak in there and get the fight that ended up going to Callum Smith. Um, You know, the idea, could he beat Canelo Alvarez? Very tough to gauge in today. I mean, I got to be honest with you. um, I would have probably, you know, I don't want to be like a a, a jerk who's like trying to nitpick a guy who just put a shutout performance against Truax. But yeah, I I think you probably would have liked to see a little bit more of the, the arsenal. You saw some of the unorthodox stuff that he was able to, to throw at Caleb plan. He was really just able to outskill him. Um, wasn't really a, a war outside of like the end of one round that he had. So I don't know what you get out of tonight. Watching Caleb plan. I do think that you see that he's very skilled that he's got, he's got a, he's got a lot of things at his disposal, but obviously, when you're talking about facing Canelo Alvarez, you're you're throwing uh, not a young kid, but you're throwing a, a a fighter who has a lot of stuff under his resume. Now you're really throwing him though into the deep end when you're talking about Canelo Alvarez. So I don't know if I'd pick him against Canelo right now, but he uh, but you know I, I, for for this you know he he got this stage. This was a heavily publicized fight you know, it was getting publicized versus a conference championship. So I'm curious to see what the numbers are. People being interested in watching Caleb plant. They did a lot of press, uh, for this, this week for him. Um, you know, so he, he really had the machine behind him. I do think that that will help. And, and so, you know, with all that publicity did tonight say, Hey, I got to watch the next Caleb plant flight. Probably not. Probably not. um, yeah, and I don't know if that's anything of his doing. Like I said, I think Truex was a little bit tentative. Um, you know, all the talk about the pressure that he was gonna put himself in there after a couple of rounds of getting beaten to the face and, and really, you know, busting up his nose, that 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 will wasn't there anymore. And I don't know if Truex looked in the greatest of shape coming into this fight either. So all that stuff being said, um it's not to say that Caleb plant can't get himself a position for the Canelo fight. You were already on the guy's mind. So that's great. Um, but he's probably, I think the smart thing for him to do is to take another fight before he gets to the Canelo fight, you know, because we know the way that this is probably going to set up. Canelo is going to be fighting here in just a less than a month's time. He's going to take it on Yildirim for his mandatory. He's going to be fighting Billy on barring something miraculous, He's going to be fighting Billy Joe Saunders, uh, you know, as long as there's no injuries and there's no crazy upsets. He's going to be fighting Billy Joe Saunders and, on Cinco de Mayo weekend. And hopefully, you know, he'll be fighting Mexican Independence Day weekend in September. So I would say the prudent thing is for Caleb Smith to get one more fight under his belt um, before going out there And, uh, you know, just walking from this fight, taking a year off because he doesn't want to risk anything because he sees the Canelo fight down the line. I think a couple of things. that's a problem. One, I still think he's a young guy. More fights, the better, especially coming off a year where you had so much of a layoff. Two, I still think that there's some buzz that's needed for him to really get that Canelo fight. I think Billy Joe Saunders, he's got a nation behind him. Caleb Plant really doesn't. Uh, he does have the Fox hype machine behind him, which helps to a degree, but it helps you to a degree. You know, so does Errol Spence. And Errol Spence is, you know, doing, you know, quarter of a million pay-per-view buys. It's not tremendous. So I do think that there is a, there's another fight that he needs to go out there and get to, to really solidify himself. And really, I think just fine tune some stuff as well. You know, uh, there's, there's, there's not uh, the obvious fight there. Maybe, um, you know, it could be convinced that one of the middleweights will come up in weight, so he's got the size advantage. Um, something like that. I don't know, but if I were him, I'd look to something that's that's high profile, but but you know, winnable. Uh, obviously, winnable, but but something that will get people to be like, "Whoa, this is the next guy I want to fight." I want to see fight Canelo Alvarez, because I don't know if any of that was accomplished tonight. All right, let's get to uh, let's get to our guest, David Feldman. He is the president of BKFC. BKFC Knuckle Mania is coming up on February 5th. We love having David on the program. Good dude. Good guest. Always uh, gives you good stuff. So let's talk to our guest, David Feldman. Friend of the program. I know he's excited because not only is it Super Bowl week coming on up and everybody's excited for the football, but this man has the fastest growing combat sport in the world and maybe his biggest event to date is coming on up on Friday. Knuckle Mania on February 5th. Highlighted, of course, by the great Paige Van Zandt, her Bare Knuckle debut, the president of Bare Knuckle FC, David Feldman, joins us. Uh, David, thanks for the time, man. Really appreciate it.
2: Hey, my man, Brendan. Always a pleasure um, being on with you, man. Yes, I'm I'm pumped. I'm excited. I can't wait for next Friday night.
1: This has been a, you know, you've talked about how excited you were that you signed Paige. Uh, just, I guess, the level of excitement that the first event is uh, is days away. Where is uh, where is that at for you? And uh, I guess, have you been in touch with Paige? How uh, how amped is she for uh, making her bare knuckle debut?
2: Uh, she's doing great. We we have a lot of mainstream press coming out that she's really excited for. She's you know, I I got, I got some phone calls from some of the media partners and they said, man, she is she is a hot ticket, man. They love interviewing her. They love uh, they love everything about her um, right now. You know, it's, it's it's crazy. No one really knows what a promoter goes. Through. You know, they see they see they they see the finished product they see the fight and they're like ah, no big deal and then you know some people say some good things and some people say some bad things but this is 24 7 man especially now this is our biggest event to date probably the biggest bare knuckle event ever in the history and um you know it we have a lot riding on this right uh, um we we need this event to be very successful we know it's going to be sold out we have some really great sponsor partners for this one and now we need the viewership to match that and i really really think it it will all arrows are pointing towards that um so i'm excited i can't wait to get down to uh tampa next monday and just prepare for fight week festivities
1: oh, i uh, had a very close seat to the uh, the heat between these two britain hart uh winning her fight in miami and then uh she had the call out of Paige van zant uh did you know that that was going to go in a direction that britain if she would have won she was going to do that because uh, it, it all led to a pretty cool uh you know, confrontation of the two because I had Paige was on commentary that night in Miami, and obviously she's trained down here locally in South Florida. But uh, it, it led to, uh, I thought, a pretty cool exchange between the two.
2: Yeah, sure. No, I mean, it all helped for promotional. Did we know it was going to happen? No. Did we think it was going to happen? We thought something would happen, but it really defend, it depended on how that fight went because if Britain Hart didn't win easily like she did and it was, you know, it was a war, who knows if she would have called her out like that? But Bretton Hart really looked like a really, you know, really improved fighter that night. She looked, she looked relaxed. She looked polished. And I think, um, I'm excited about this fight. I'm, I, as a fan, I'm really excited about this fight because I think people are underestimating Paige Van Zandt's ability to really get in there and throw hands. And I am thinking very highly of her hands. So I think that, um, I think it's going to be a great fight. I'm really, really looking forward to that fight as, as a fan, I think you're going to get your money's worth.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, I, I feel like based on, you know, just the feedback of people, you know, with Paige thinking, oh, this, you know, poor girl who, you know, obviously has a very successful career that's not just fighting, um, but that she's almost like getting, it's almost like she's getting thrown to the slaughter here. And she has been in some very, very tough UFC fights where she's fought through a broken arm and she's had, you know, Crimson Mass. she's had highlight reel knockouts. And I almost feel like people think that this is a, uh, almost uh, too crazy for, her, but she's been in there with some very, you know, highly skilled athletes before, uh, as far as the combat world is concerned. So, do you sense that from her that she's um almost like this is uh, people think she's going to maybe do this once and then she's going to get destroyed and and you know move on to something, move on to something. I else. think
2: that's what people think, but uh, we have bigger plans in that. And I look win or lose, she puts on a great fight. She's coming back, and you know she's going to. She's going to do it again. Now, let's see what her taste is for that, though. Right. If she does happen to lose and it doesn't go her way very one sided, maybe she doesn't want to do this again. And, you know, it takes a special person to want to do this. And that's what I just talked about. We just did our own little podcast. And that's what I just talked about on that, where how can you not take your hat off to this girl? She didn't have to do this. She's doing it to test herself. So if she's willing to get in there and test herself in this for comparable money that she would have got in uh, in some other major organizations, and she and and she really wanted to go out on the limb. I mean, you got to take your hat off to her, right? She did fight the best in the world. Like she fought some top contenders in the UFC. She just, she didn't fight, you know, girls that couldn't fight. She fought some of the best of the best, and she lost to some of the best of the best. She beat some of the some of the good girls as well. But I'm looking forward to this because I know that she's she's a competitor and she's driven. And she wants success, and I think it's all going to come out next Friday night. Um, I'll
1: get back into the event just a little bit, but I did want to ask you, from a local standpoint, that night that uh, that was uh, in Miami, we saw the fastest knockout in combat sports history. My guy Yuli Diaz, a three-second knockout at, uh, at BKFC, and he had a, a call out of Tiago Alves. Um, I, what was the, uh, the, I guess, the feedback of that knockout? Because it was, uh, I, I saw it exploded all over the internet. And I was really happy for him because you know I've seen that guy fight in you know empty auditoriums here in Miami and stuff like that. So for him to get a worldwide shine like that was really cool. And uh, what are the plans for him? I mean, you get a knockout like that, I feel like the next one should be a big one for him.
2: Yeah, I like I like Yuli for what he does outside outside the ring or cage or wherever wherever he may fight. You know, he does a lot of a, a lot of public service stuff, a lot a lot of charity stuff. So I really like him as a person. And I was equally as happy as you were to see him get that sensational knockout fast. The world, the world's fastest combat sport knockout ever, three seconds. With that being said, we are probably, he's, he, he's going to fight another fight, just, you know, um, evenly matched kind of fight. And then we're going to step him up after, the, after the next fight, we want to, you know, was it a fluke? I don't think it was a fluke. So we're going to see again if it was, or if it wasn't, I think that Yuli has all the tools to really, really do great. I think that, um, a, uh, a clash with him and him and Tiago are definitely down the road, and um, they're actually both going to fight on the same card. We don't have the specific date yet; we're going to have that any day. But they're both fighting on the same card, and hopefully that segues into a, uh, you know, to a fight for them guys, and maybe that could even be for the 175 pound uh, bare knuckle fighting championship.
1: If they do find yeah. the, if they do find the same card, do you uh, anticipate that'll be down here?
2: Uh, absolutely, it's definitely we're going down to uh, going down to Miami. Um, it's either going to be. Late March or, or uh, mid-April, we're just working out some kinks right now. Um, we have our, our app that we launched, just the Bare Knuckle TV app, and it's doing really, really great. But we're putting a new interface in there right now, so we don't know if it's going to be ready for March or for April. We're going to know any day. And when we do, we're going to announce that date. But 100% it's going to be in Miami.
1: What is uh, What else are you excited about with this uh, this upcoming card at Knuckle Mania? What, uh, what else uh, should the fans
2: get pumped I mean, about? I got, the, I got the retirement fight for uh, legend Chris Lieben. It's his last fight he's ever going to fight. And then he's going to segue into working with the company. So that's a tremendous, tremendous um, guy to have on the card. I mean, everybody knows Chris Lieben. And then the lightweight championship, Johnny Bedford, 5-0 and in bare knuckle, former UFC standout versus Dat Nguyen a uh, big time uh, prospect in, in glove professional boxing and now two and at bare knuckle fighting championship. That's probably the fight I'm looking forward to see the most. That's who knows who's going to win. I keep, uh, I keep saying, I keep flipping the coin every time. <laughs> oh, dad. Oh, Johnny. I just don't know, man. It's going to be a great fight. And then we have another, uh, another women's fight on the card. Carissa Sigla from, uh, from california versus uh taylor starling from north carolina so that's going to be another great women's fight as well and just so many up and coming guys that that can really be the next star in bare knuckle fighting championship looking forward to the whole card and you can really you know you can get all the information for this card tickets or or pay-per-view information at at bareknuckle.tv or pkfc.com
1: well it looks like it's going to be a great show man uh Best of luck coming up next week. I'm looking forward to watch up,
2: Brandon. You're going to make this one. or you're not I'm not going to
1: make this one live man. I'm definitely going to tune in and watch. So you'll catch me <laughs> awesome. there, but, uh, you know, definitely the next one in Miami. I'll be, I'll be there for sure. You guys put on an awesome show. I had a great time. Um, awesome. I mean, it was, it was, it was cool. What was, it was the, uh, another one of my guys, uh, Jake Boswick. He, uh, what was like, I want to ask you about that. That was like a, uh, what was that? A sudden death thing. That was like, that was crazy. Well, they go? Those yeah, guys so- had such a highly contested a thing, and then all of a sudden, you guys are like, "Boom!"
2: Sudden death round. I never seen anything like that. That was that was bananas. So we talked about it for a while if we were going to do it with Patrick Cunningham, the commissioner of Florida, and he said, "Look, we'll you know we'll do a case by case scenario." So it happened. I went into Tyler Vogel's corner. I said, "Listen, if it's a draw, because I couldn't tell him it was. If it's a draw, you want to do one more round for an extra? I forget how much money it was. I offered him extra money. He's like, "I'm in." I went over to Bosick. I said, you, you want to do a, the extra round for a little extra money? He said, I'm in. So it, it was fantastic. We had the world's longest bare knuckle fighting championship match and the, and the fastest knockout in combat sports history that night. It was just, it just added to everything that was there. We had like Timbaland was in attendance. Some um, big UFC guys were in attendance. It was a great night for us in Miami, and that's why, really, why we just can't wait to come back to Miami with a with a stacked card. And now, hopefully, it looks like a, a lot bigger of attendance because it looks like things are loosening up down there a little bit.
1: For sure, man. Well, it was a it was a fun show. I really really enjoyed it. So I can't wait to come to the next one down here. And um, I'm sure the show in Tampa is going to be awesome too because I know uh, I know how hard you work to get Paige into the fold. I know everybody's been uh, curious and looking forward to seeing her debut. So.
2: I think uh, I think that everyone's in for a hell of a show. Awesome, Brendan. Thanks always for the support, man. Love coming on your show. Um, anything you need from me, just reach out. And I, again, man, tune in, uh, bkfc.com for all your information.
1: Thanks again to David for joining the program. Like I said, always enjoy having him on. I'm looking forward to watching Paige Van Zandt's Bare Knuckle debut. And we'll recap it next week, man. We got UFC to recap next week, and we'll get to Knuckle Mania for sure. It's fun going to those shows. I'm looking forward to it coming back down to Miami. And I actually, I do like, because of the scene we have down here, I do like the opportunity that's presented to a lot of the fighters down here. Everybody have a great rest of your week. We'll talk to you next time. We get it.
0: Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio.